Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. I don't know about you. See, the song says, when I thought I lost. I, 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 see, I know you, you, you used to winning all the time. But I'm honest enough to admit that I had some defeat some days. I'm talking about some days I didn't know how this thing was going to turn out. But I'm so glad, I'm so glad to defend him when I thought I lost. Not only that, but he knows how to take the pieces and put them back together. I'm talking about broken on the inside, broken heart, broken praise, broken worship, broken faith, broken hope, broken peace. But he knows how to take the pieces and put them back together. We're talking about the great defender, Jehovah. Yahweh is his name. We, he is worthy of the glory. He is worthy of the praise. And see, there were some days all you could do was just stand still. Didn't know what to say. Didn't, didn't, didn't even feel like you had a praise. And then there was some of us, the only thing you could do was praise. To keep from losing your mind, you had to bless him. Every, every time you look for joy and confinement, so you had to start leaping around the house till joy came. You just had to give him praise. And then if you like me, you just going to force yourself into his presence. I got to worship. I have to know you, God. I have to know you. I must commune with you. I must sup with you, God. Hallelujah. Come on. They say all I did was just bow down. Y'all don't even realize they prophesying to you. It's so much better his way. You want to talk about the more excellent way they prophesying to you right now. Come on. It's so much better his way. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but it's so much better doing it God's way. So much better your All right, I got a marathon to run in a short amount of time. <laughs> I done came on down. I got a marathon to run in a short amount of time. So y'all done prophesied. If, if the guy gives the opportunity to pick it back up, pick it back up. Or Minister Crystal, you got an opportunity to do your song. And it's going to be in line with today's message. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, come with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 32. And if you know anything about the book of Exodus, it is putting God on display as being the defender of the people of Israel, the great defender of the people of Israel. By them being under the bondage of the Egyptians, some days all they could do was just stand still. Some days the only thing they could do was just praise. 
Some days, only thing they could do was just worship. I'm pretty sure they thought they lost. Oh, but there was a defender who was listening to the cries of the people of Israel. And when the appointed time came, he defended them and he brought them out. He picked up the pieces. When they thought they lost, they didn't even realize that they had the victory. Amen. Amen. trying to let this thing just settle in me um exodus chapter 32 starting at verse number one and the bible declares and when the people saw that moses delayed to come down out of the mountain the people gathered themselves together unto aaron and said unto him up make us gods which shall go before us for us for this moses the man that brought us up out of the land of egypt we wot not what has become of him and Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and you can be seated in the presence of the living God and of course we're familiar with the book of Exodus we understand that the name itself Exodus in the Greek is talking about an exit a departure an exiting and the entire book itself is made up of three different parts the first being this is talking about the slavery in Egypt and then the liberation which covers chapters 1 through chapter 18 and then it talks about the law given which covers chapter 19 through 24 and then the tabernacle which covers chapters 25 through verses 40 and so we we understand that there are different things that have taken place inside of this particular book right and i just gave you the three parts of the book right so a quick synopsis when you think about uh, as we go through chapter one of the book of Exodus talks about when there was a new king that comes on the scene, the former king that was uh, before he died, he knew Joseph. So he was familiar with the people of Israel. But this king that came after this particular king did not know Joseph or was so he was unfamiliar with the children of Israel. And so this, this Kermit king or this Kermit pharaoh was afraid because the, the children of Israel began to multiply. And so this current pharaoh began to see them multiplying and he began to say, we got to do something lest they multiply and they rise up and they join with our enemies and make war with us and overtake us and take our lands. And so what this Kermit Pharaoh begins to do, he tells the midwives, whenever there is a child born, particularly a male child, kill them. And so because the midwives feared God, those middle workers, hey, Mother Gloria, those middle workers, because they feared God and they refused. In other words, they, they obeyed God rather than obey Pharaoh. They feared God. 
They, they reverenced God more than they reverenced Pharaoh. The lives of the children were spared. So Pharaoh came up with this idea, we got to do something, and thereby started killing the children as they were dumping them into the rivers and things of that nature right there. When you move on to chapter number two, chapter number two is talking about the birth of Moses, whose names means to be drawn out, drawn out of the water because he was drawn out of the water or pulled from the water by Pharaoh's daughter. Right. And so he was raised in Pharaoh's house as a prince. And, and when you think about this, here, when you when you begin to look at this as he's in the court or in the house of the Pharaoh, Moses is actually giving glimpses of his future as being uh, uh, the leader who would draw the people of Israel out of the nation of Egypt. Think about it. The first glimpse comes when Moses, when he's a grown man and he begins to venture out and he goes to spy. The Bible talks about how he goes and he spies on his brethren, the children of Israel. And he sees an Egyptian man actually smiting or hitting one of his uh, fellow brothers, an Israelite, and he intervenes. The Bible talks about how he looks one way and then he looks another way and makes sure nobody sees him. And he then goes and he kills that Egyptian and he covers him up. He buries him. And isn't that just like some of us? Some of us, we try to bury some things in the sand. Oh, but the sands of time will, will, will cause things to be uncovered and cause things to be revealed. There was a second glimpse that God allows Moses to have because after this particular incident where he murders this Egyptian, Moses then flees because Pharaoh is seeking him. When the word gets to Pharaoh, Pharaoh desires to kill Moses, who he's raised as his grandson or his son inside the kingdom in the palace. But yet he's overlooking that you have killed one of my people, so I desire to kill you. Moses then flees to the land of Midian. And it's at the well. Remember we talked about there was something in your dwell. There was a well inside of your dwell. And so God gives Moses a second glimpse of his future here at the well. Lives are changed at the well. Right. And what happens is here where Moses finds his wife. And what begins to take place at this well while Moses is sitting down having a pity party. You know, because uh, that's what we do. You know, after we when we when people discover what it is that we do, we start feeling sorry about what we did. Because most of us, we we take the same process or the order of steps that most we run. Soon as people find out what we have done, what we're guilty of, we run, trying to seek cover. But he came to this well, and he gets a second glimpse of his future as being the person who would draw the children of Israel out. You say how? Because when, when, when Jethro, his future father-in-law, daughters come, the shepherds were, you know, making them move so they could not water their father's flock. But Moses instinctively rises up and protects them and then wars the flock on their behalf. Because when they return to their father, the father says, how is it that you came back so quickly today? So it's showing that this was a custom thing, a customary thing that would take place. The shepherds would drive their daughters away. And so they would be out there all day just trying to get water to feed their father's flock. But thank God for the defender that being Moses. He rose up, he stood up on their behalf, and he didn't water the flocks. And so long story short, he was invited to come in, and so he never left. Right? So those are the two glimpses that God would allow 
And that's sometimes, think about it, there were glimpses that have taken place in our lives where God has allowed you to see what your purpose in life is. But most of us, because we were not sensitive to God, we've missed those glimpses or we misinterpreted those glimpses that God has been showing us about our life. You see, there's nothing wrong with asking God, God, give me a glimpse of who I'm supposed to be. Give me a glimpse of what I'm supposed to do. Because the truth be told, some of you, okay, 30 plus 1, 20 plus 5, you're still confused about your purpose. You're still confused about your identity, right? Which both of them comes from God, right? So as we move down into chapter 3, this is the most familiar passage of Scripture in chapter number 3. This is where Moses has his encounter with God, the burning bush, where God is talking to him. And God reveals himself as, I am that I am. And then he sends him to Egypt. Chapter four talks about how Moses returns with his brother Aaron being his spokesperson where they're going to go and confront this King Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. God's people go. So chapters five through chapter number seven, it deals with this negotiating, this going back and forth. Of Moses and Aaron appearing before Pharaoh saying, the Lord say, let my people go. And notice, Moses is describing to Pharaoh, these are God's people. Let God's people go. And then when you get through chapters 7 through 11, it begins to talk about the different plagues that were sent by God. Ten plagues to be exact. Ten. It's very interesting. When you think about 10, the number 10 denotes what? It's a completed course of time. And so for 430 years, the children of Israel were in bondage. They were in slavery. Right. Some of you, you haven't been bound for 430 years, but you've been bound 20 plus years. But there is a great defender. And the thing is, at the appointed time, God had an listening ear to the cry of the children of Israel and the Bible talks about how their cry came up unto God and it reminded God of the covenant that he had with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob so the number 10 talks about a completed course of time so this 430 years ended this was a completed course of time it's done now God can come and intervene because the slavery has ran its course. What I want you to understand, there comes a point where your independence and the mother spirit is going to come and has been appointed by God. Your spiritual independence day has been appointed, has been set by God. It represents a completed course of time. It represents completeness in divine order. It also represents revelation and divine law, hence the Ten Commandments. So even when we see completeness in divine order, once this time has run its course, we see God sending into place to bring about divine order. There was a changing of the guards. It also is significant, this number 10, because it, it, it makes reference to 
Because we talked about it, 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 it means revelation and divine law. We see God revealed himself on Mount Sinai when he gave them the Ten Commandments. So it speaks highly to the revelation aspect. Think about in the book of John, John the Gospel. There were 10 I am statements that are released that Jesus speaks in this particular book. Which is highlighting Jesus is revealing himself through these I am statements. Ten. So then when we get into chapter number 11. It's talking about all how all the firstborn must die. And see one thing about God at this particular point in history. God was big on a life for a life. Killed and you shall be killed. <laughs> you, you, you took mine, so I'm going to take yours. And understand, as you move into chapter number 12, which talks about the Passover, denoting the Passover lamb, right? That they would kill this unblemished lamb, this lamb that had no spots, and then they would apply the blood over the doorposts. Right. To make sure that the spirit of death would pass over, or the death angel would pass over. And so thank God that the blood still works. When we apply the blood, the blood still works. You move down into chapter number 14 and I'm, I was jumping through some of the chapters to highlight some of the most significant things that took place. Chapter 14, again, a familiar passage of scripture, when God deals with the Red Sea, he calls the, the Red Sea to have two walls on both sides so that the children of Israel can pass through on dry land. So notice in, in chapter 14 it's letting us know, matter of fact. In Exodus 14, verse number 14, it talks about how God said he would fight for us. So we see how God shall fight for us. When you get down around about chapter number 19, this is where we come to Mount Sinai. Where they stay here for about a year. And this is where God comes down top of the mountain and he begins to speak. To Moses and giving him all type of instruction concerning the tabernacle, concerning, you know, the furniture and the different things and the dimensions of all these different things and different laws, you know, like garments for the priests and things of this nature, laws on how you're to treat other people. God is speaking to them about all of these particular things. And then it's in chapter number 20 where God is actually speaking the Ten Commandments. He's speaking the Ten Commandments. In chapter 32 is where he goes and he then receives the actual commandments. But in chapter 20, God is speaking the Ten Commandments. And when we move into uh, chapter number 25, he's given, again, like we say, different types of instructions. And for example, instructions for the tent or the sanctuary or the Ark of the Covenant, which is very, very Important, the Ark of the Covenant. So finally, as he's doing all these things, we find ourselves in chapter number 32, a significant chapter. And as you see, the people, when Moses was up in the mount with God, he spent a significant amount of time up and the people 
begin to have this, this, this thought process of being indifferent. Well, we don't know what Moses is doing. He's supposed to be our leader. He's brought us to Mount Sinai. Now he's up there talking to God and he act like we don't even matter down here. So while he having his party on top of the mount, because he, he on top of the world, let's just have us a party down here. Do you know somebody? And can you relate? And we, we break down the dynamics of chapter number 32, verses 1 through number 6, talks about how Aaron is making the golden calf. Verses 7 through 14 talks about how Moses begins to intercede for Israel. Verses 15 through 24 talks about how Moses begins to destroy the calf as well as the tablets. And verses 25 through 29 talks about how the Levites, the exact revenge on the children of Israel. And then verses 30 through 35 talks about how Moses intercedes for a second time. Now, let's get into the scripture. You can take me to take me to verse number four. Because y'all see, he asked for the earrings and all these different things, and the earrings was a sign denoting that they were slaves. Oh, yeah, the earrings denoted was a sign denoting that they were slaves. So for those of you men who like the... No, see, folk don't understand. It's denoting in the realm of the spirit that you are bound, but you don't even realize by putting an earring in your ear because you have pierced the lobe of your ear in the realm of the spirit. What you have done, you have caused your hearing in the realm of the spirit to be impaired. You can't hear properly. Y'all ain't going to talk to me, but I'm going to talk to you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and how can they hear except God send a preacher? And if God sends the preacher, we understand God is an excellent steward. God is not wasting anything. So he sent the preacher with expectation that you would hear. But you can't hear because your hearing has been impaired because of that little piece of jewelry in your ear. What it shows is you still trying to identify with the world. You still don't understand who you are. You have been set free but living a slave-like mindset. You're operating out of a slave-like mindset and living a slave-like life. Yeah, we talking, we talking, we talking. So it says he received all this gold from them at the hand and fashioned it with a grave or two after he had made a molten calf. And they said, and they said, the people said, these be thy gods of Israel which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The people are now proclaiming because Moses is yet to come down. This calf that, that, that Aaron just made with the earrings and the golds that we took out of our ears and off our arms and from around our neck, these be our gods. Now, before I get ahead of myself, the title of the text is called Replacement Theology. And when you understand replacement theology in modern times now, it is said to be that the church itself is replacing the nation of Israel. What a deception. The church is the church and the people of Israel are the people of Israel. Now, the spin that God has given me when you talk about replacement theology, of course, we understand theos is, 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 is in the Greek is the name for God or is the word for God, I should say. Right. And then theology is a derivative of the word theos. 
It's a word that's formed from this particular word theos. So we understand theology is the study of God. Replacement theology. The study of God. People are trying to replace the study of God. And when we say study, when you study something, you desire to either understand it or you desire to know it. So people are trying to replace the knowing of God. These be our God. But this, 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 this mighty defender, this great deliverer has just brought you up out of the land of... You haven't even been here. Only a couple days you've been here. And just that quick, how soon you have forgotten this great defender just delivered you with mighty acts. Mighty, 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 mighty acts. And what I found out is because of who their forefather was, Abraham. Mind you, he came from the land of Ur, where there was pagan worship taking place, idol worship taking place. So what I understand, it's in their DNA to have false worship. If it's in your daddy, if it's in your mama, there was a great possibility that it's in you. Oh, yes. And we see because it was in their forefather, Abraham, idol worship was also in the people of Israel. And just a span of days after God has done miraculous, wondrous work, how soon we forget God and we make gods and say, these be our God. And then give this golden calf the credit that delivered us out of the and isn't that just like some of us? Well, we're replacing the knowing of God. It's called replacement theology or replacement theos, replacing God. Hmm. Now, we, 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 we oftentimes hear me say when you worship God, God brings you into the knowledge of who you are. Right? And he brings you to the knowledge of what your purpose is. Simply put, when you know God, you understand who you are, your identity. Right? So we understand your identity comes from God, right? Knowing God gives you your identity and identity gives you or it brings you security. Show me someone that doesn't understand who they are, and I'll show you an insecure individual. For example, men who are afraid to be around a homosexual. I'm talking real good right there. Men and women who are afraid to be around a homosexual or a lesbian, you're showing us that you are insecure. You don't understand who you are. If you understand who you were, you, you wouldn't be so afraid to be around this person. Which denotes that you are insecure. But when you understand your identity, it brings security. For example, you could be, if, if you didn't like that example, how about a racist? When you understand who you are, you're secure in who you are. You can be around a racist and not feel insecure because of the color of your skin. 
when you know who you are. You know who you are by way of God. Knowing God allows you to know you. And in knowing God, guess what? It brings you your identity, which brings you security. Hmm. We also see that there was a lack of commitment here in a matter of days, in a matter of days, in a matter of days. And, and what you got to understand, whenever God does great, 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 wondrous acts and things of this nature right there. What typically follows in the Bible is great doubt or great rebellion. A couple of days and now we're dealing with great doubt and great rebellion because over in chapter 31 when Moses gave us the words of the Lord while he was up in the mountain came back down to speak to us we said as a people collectively we will do all that the Lord has said unto us and in a matter of days when we get to Mount Sinai we have quickly forgotten God because we don't know our identity we have become insecure because our leader is no longer present with us so we feel the need to fashion something and call this our God and give it the credit for what the true and living God has delivered us from struggling with great doubt and great rebellion we lack commitment so if you don't know God, you don't know your identity, meaning you don't know yourself, which means you're going to struggle with commitment. Why is he really committed to you? Or why do you believe he's committed to you? Or she's committed to you? It's something else that they love. You're not the object of their affection. It's something that you do for them that they love. So you better never believe that they just love you for you when they don't understand who they are. They struggle with commitment. So he said, go take me, take me to verse number five. He says, what? He says, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before the Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Let's go ahead and offer sacrifices and things. Let's erect an altar. In the culture, which is something sacred to them, let's erect an altar so that we can make preparation to come and make sacrifice and we can worship and be grateful for what the cow has done. I think about it. Because the DNA is in their blood for idol worship, the Egyptians only presented them with gods. They have been since removed from this culture. And how easy it is for us to go back, revert back to what we know. Because guess what? Pharaoh would not allow them to worship their God. We would not allow them to worship their God. We would not allow them to make sacrifices and build altars. So Egypt only presented them with their gods. And isn't it funny 
your God, the true and living God, just delivered you and how quickly you tried to replace him with the calf. Give me verse number six. He says, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and burnt and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It rose up early on tomorrow to play. Yesterday, when, when, when today came, which denotes your tomorrow from yesterday, some of us rose up early to play church. Like Pastor Terrence, he's saying, listen, I only had about two hours of sleep, y'all, and I have a better praise than some of y'all that got a full six, a full seven, a full eight hours. Oh, you came to play church. I know you're not going to be real. You came to play church. Look around, seeing who else praising. I don't want to act like I'm not participating, so I'm going to clap my hand. Every now and then I'm going to throw up my hand like, huh? I'm going to act like I want to dance by hook. I'm going to give a little hop like that and just, you understand? But I ain't going to go all the way in. Because how quick I've doubted God and how quickly I rebelled against God. When I gave my word, I will obey the word of the living God. Rose up early to play church. And if you didn't rise up early to play church in the house of God, some of us rose up early to play house. Because you're not a night owl. You got to get it in in the morning time. I do, I do better in the morning. Give me my shot. Take me through the day. Playing house. Folk want to play, have fun. This is what he's saying when they said to play, have fun. How can you have fun? When God is on the top of this mountain. Talking. And isn't that crazy when God is speaking in the midst of a service or speaking to one of his manservants, we play in church. Checking your phone while the word going on. You playing. You got a notification from Facebook or Twitter checking your phone. You playing. Making jokes like you're playing. So you let us know you're not serious about this thing. But you ain't no fool. You know, the, you know, you know, you know to come. But in your heart, you're not committed. We're not committed. We, we, we play. And we don't realize the danger of us playing with a holy God. Because I want you to keep in mind, right? What they said in, in verse number four. These be our gods that brought us out of Egypt. Keep that in mind. 
And keep in mind that they're playing. There ain't nothing. Just, just, okay, be real. When you're trying to be serious and you feel like somebody playing with you, that thing irks your nerve, right? It make you want to reach out and touch them, right? <laughs> you know what? Give me, give, me, give me verse number seven. Go, go, go. It said, and the Lord said unto Moses, go get down for thy people. Now, look, the conversation has changed before. All throughout, God has been saying, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, because of how his people are acting and how they're talking, you trying to replace me? Moses, get out my face. Right? Give me, give me. He said, and the Lord said unto Moses, get thee down for thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Give me verse number eight. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped and they have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So God has heard what they have said. Give me verse number nine. He said, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff neck. These people are difficult. Do you know somebody? Can you relate? Well, somebody refer to you as being a difficult person. You just, like, when they say things like, you just don't get it. I'm tired of having that same conversation. They're, they're, they're undercover telling you you are a difficult person to deal with. Most of us, we don't care to admit that, but it's the truth. You're difficult to deal with. And this is what God is saying about these people. So he says, Moses, go to your people. Give me verse number 10. He says, well, now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. They are playing. Playing. While God is up here talking to Moses and you got the nerve to play. Not only are you playing, you are saying that you're going to try to replace me as being your God with this golden calf. Do you see how the language has changed? Moses, go get your people. But he tells Moses, Moses, when he say, now therefore let me alone. You know what God is basically saying? Shut up and get out my face, Moses. Get out my face, because guess what? I'm about to reach out and touch them. You know when I got right here in the scripture, because see, God didn't let me sleep. I didn't go to sleep till after five o'clock this morning. All night, God just kept, when I tried to go to sleep. I got to be so adamant. I tried so many times. I had my pillow and I was like, mm, 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 mm. and when that don't work, you just move the pillow out of the way. Right? Three o'clock, I'm still just wide eyed. And I say, okay, God, I get it. You don't want me to go to sleep. Let's roll. God has given me all type of things. I had to have Pastor Terrence, Pastor Ivan helped me decode some of the stuff God gave me. I got stuff written in notes on my phone. I had notes where I recorded audible things that I was speaking at. Now, listen to me talk, y'all, at four o'clock in the morning, like, uh, the Lord is. <laughs> so we're trying to decipher, decode what I'm trying to relate to you, what God was giving me. You know, one of the surprising things God told me early in the morning shook me. God said, I love the fight. I'm going to show you I'm in the book. He said, I am the Lord of hosts, which denotes the Lord of the armies. 
I'm telling you, your song, you was prophetically in the message because not only does God love the fight, he loves to fight for you. But guess what? If you cross him, he will fight against you. But make no mistake about it. God said, I love to fight. This is God saying, listen, shut up and get out my face. I'm about to reach across the altar, which is my table and just spat out. <laughs> Have you been there where well, you sitting across the table for some and, and it gets heated and you just want to just. Ah. Oh, you got to understand what's taking place. This is what God feels right now. And this is what God is getting ready to do. Like Moses, you can't get out the way, Moses. Right. Give me verse number 11. This is what. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, Moses is interceding. So do you understand? It is Moses intercession. Give me for a second, Pastor Ivan. It is Moses intercession. Uh, come here for yeah come here hallelujah you you be the children of Israel and you stand right here so she represents the children of Israel I represent I represent Moses this is God I am interceding for you because you told God what you was going to do and now you're struggling with great doubt and you're struggling with great rebellion and you are trying to replace God with another God. Oh, I wish I had some help. But you don't even understand, children of Israel. He just told me to get out my face and get out the way because now you got to try to get to her. And I'm saying, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, please don't. God, in the name of Jesus, God, have mercy, God. She don't know what she doing she crazy guys she God you okay God is trying to reach out and touch you because he loves to fight and you got to understand he is not going to lose he hasn't lost yet and when you understand that you're the greatest you saying bring on all commas because you don't understand he just proved to you that hey I am the Egyptians has over a thousand gods. Put every last one of your thousand gods next to me and I knock them all down. So I just proved to you that I am the greatest of all time. You talk about the goat. He is the goat, baby. He is the greatest of all time. He ain't lost a fight. He's never going to lose a fight. And you don't understand. He's this close from reaching out trying to smack you. You think it's a lie? I want you to check out the scripture. Throughout the scripture it talks about and God smoked them and God was smiting them. God said, listen, when I was smiting folk, yeah, they died, but that was just like me smacking them in the face. I hit them dead hard, they died. I ain't not the taste out their mouth. I like their soul out their body. I said, okay. And you just graveyard dead. I said, oh, okay. Don't want to fight you. Don't want to fight you. It's just like, think about it. Most boxers were intimidated when they got in the ring with Mike Tyson because they understood he had a knockout punch. That first punch was a knockout punch. Now, understand, you're talking about the GOAT, the greatest of all time. God, okay, this ain't no knockout punch. This is a death punch. I'm going to hit you, baby. I'm knocking your soul, your spirit, and knocking your body back to the earth. I hit you, baby. You just done. This is what God is saying. And Moses said, he besought the Lord God and said, why did that uh, wrath wax hot against thy people which thou hast brought forth out of them? He's reminding God, God, you brought them out. Why are you angry with them? He has legitimate reason to be angry. 
Give me verse 12. He says, what? He said, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief? Did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. So he's saying, God, you brought them out just to destroy them? Just for their enemies to say he brought them out just to kill them. He would have been better just leaving them in slavery. Right? Moses is strategic in his words. See, you better understand, you better have the right person to mediate a situation. Moses had the right words. Give me, you'll see. Give me the next verse. He said, remember Abraham. Remember Isaac and Israel, Jacob, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thy own self and said unto thee, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. Remember the covenant or the promise, God. He knew what to say. At the right time, he knew exactly what to say. Give me the verse. He says, what? And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do in this evil. So God had a woosah moment. Let me just renege on this. Let me rethink this. I'm not going to reach across the table and hit him. I'm not going to reach across the table and, 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 and choke him up, yank him up. Right. So the Bible talks about how he repented of that. Verse 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 15 says, well, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want all past my little notes down here, Lord Jesus Christ. No, I, I said that. <laughs> I, got, I got notes all over the place. Y'all understand? G give me the next verse. He says, well, that's the next verse. Oh, okay. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. The two tables of the testimony were in his hand. Right. So he got God to renege on what he was going to do. And God gives him the tables of the testimony. And I like this word right here. The two tables of the testimony. Testimony in the Hebrew is talking about the proof that something exists. So the fact that Moses is now carrying these two stone tablets is proof that God exists. Because when he went up, he went up empty handed. But now he's coming down with two stone tablets that are written on front and back of both sides. Inscribed by the very finger of God himself. So he says the tables were written like this. Okay, give me the next verse. Lord, I'm all in the scripture. I should have just read the scripture. Right? And the tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. So this is proof that God exists. But you know God exists. He just parted the Red Sea for you. You know God exists. He just sent these 10 plagues inside of Egypt to get you free. But yet it's taking more. Because isn't that just like some of us? The stone tablets denoting rocks. Some of you, you, you feel you need concrete evidence that he exists. I need solid rock evidence that he exists. Oh, well, I feel for you because guess what? As you will see, guess what? Your concrete evidence or your solid rock evidence will soon be broken. And then when you feel you need it again, he's going to let you see it again only to take it and put it into the Ark of the Covenant. And guess what, my sister, my brother, you will have to walk by faith and not by sight. Right, right. Give me verse number 17, right? 
So this is how I got here. The Lord had me looking at this. It says, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there was a noise of war in the camp. Now, when you think about noise, noise is defined as it is an unwanted sound. They're making a noise where they're partying and they're playing. So it's another noise. Right. And so think about it. Sometimes for us, the other noise or the unwanted sound is, is your murmuring. It is your complaining. It is your false worship. It is your profane praise. You understand what I'm saying? It is your contaminated praise. It is your doubts. It is your fears that you're talking about. It is another noise. And Joshua, who went up the mountain with Moses, heard this noise. And he said, there was a noise of war in the camp. Give it the next scripture. And Moses said, what and he said it is not the voice of them that's shouting for mastery no it's not because of war they haven't won any victory he said neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome it's not the cry or it's not the noise of war that they've had defeat either he says but the noise of them that sing do I hear and think about it for some of us it's just like this here. We be talking noise to God. God, have you forgot about me? You talking noise. And see, any real fighter. See, I'm going to give you an example. I'm like, listen, you can talk that noise all you want. As long as you don't come over here with that, we are all right. But then there were some people. They can't stand you talking noise. The fact that you talking noise, it, it, they, they, they trying to come get you because you talking noise. See, this was God. Oh, you talking noise? <laughs> you talking noise? What you not going to do? You talking noise about what you afraid of? You talking noise about why you so doubtful? You talking noise about why, why, why? God, have you forgot about me? God, you don't hear me. God, you don't see. You, oh, you talking noise? So there is another noise that God hears that's coming from you. And we don't realize how much noise we be actually talking. But oh, the Bible declares in Psalms 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, all ye lands, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so it's something that the noise that's coming from you is not a sound of joy. Now, even when you talk about it being a noise, this is hinging upon the listener. The listener will decide whether or not it's noise to them, an unwanted sound. For example, when we're riding in the car for a significant amount of time, I understand my children are locked into one space for a significant amount of time. So I am not going to be upset because of the noise that they're making because I understand that they're locked in this place for a significant amount of time. Now, my wife, on the other hand, is like, y'all be quiet. Well, Russia, we, what do you want them to do? They've already been asleep. They, they slept for three hours. They already ate. So what do you want them to do now? They, talk, they, 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 they have this, right? So it represents noise for her. I understand it, so it's, it's just it's, 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 it's a sound because I understand the situation, right? 
So a noise is an unwanted sound. So I'm just saying, when you're not speaking the language of God, when your faith is not there, when you're not obedient unto God, guess what? You are talking noise to God. Talking noise in, 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 in the essence as if you across the table, you got a good handset. When I say handset, meaning you, you can fight. This is how God is looking at this. You got to, you talking noise like you really can throw down. Huh? So understand. That noise, that's that unwanted sound, right? But you know, sound is, 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 is produced by what? It's by vibrating objects. For example, when we clap our hands, it's producing vibrations in the air, which is producing sound waves. And understand, when you make a joyful noise, whether it's a sound of praise or a sound of hand clap, how you can disturb the enemy with your praise. So think about it. They made a sound when they began to cry saying, God, deliver us. It was something about the sound that came from them that God noticed them and said, the set time has arrived and I will deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptian. And do you understand God was the one hardening Pharaoh's heart? God was the one hardening the hearts of the Egyptians. So every time he wanted to let them go, God would... He had to say, I'm not going to let you go. Why? Because God wanted to show them exactly who he is. I'm going to harden his heart to give me an opportunity to reveal myself to you even the more. Now, in, your, in, in our minds, that doesn't make sense. God, why would you do that? That just doesn't make sense. It makes perfect sense to God. Because it's giving me an opportunity to show and reveal myself even the more. Right? So, so. Lord, I want uh, y'all bear with my God. Yeah, okay. So okay, go. <laughs> God knows, man. I've been up. And he said, and it came to pass as soon as he came down to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses anger waxed hot and he cast the tables of the sun and break them beneath the mountain. So boom, your concrete proof, your solid rock evidence that you need broken just like that. If everything that you need to believe that God is real, your proof, your witness is gone just like that because somebody else got angry at what you did. Verse number 20, right? He said, and he took the calf which they had made and he burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and shrouded it upon the water and made the children of it drink it. He ground it to dust, put it in the water. He's so mad. Now drink the God dog on water. You want this? You want this guy so bad? Drink it. <laughs> you gotta understand, ruthless. He can't talk. You want? You want? You want? Because y'all know he stuttered. That was me imitating Moses. He stuttered. <laughs> he was trying to. Get, you, 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 you want your God so? Drink it. I would get mad at the fact that he took that long just to say it. Hurry up. But he got that mad that he, he, because of what they did, he ground it into powder, put it in the water, said, now drink it. You want this guy so bad? Drink him up. Yeah. In the next verse, he says what? He said, and Moses said unto Aaron, what did this people uh, uh, unto thee that thou hast brought such a great sin upon them? What did they do that you would make them do this? <laughs> and Aaron said, let not, here go Aaron, the big brother. Man, ch chill out, Moses. 
ain't even that serious. You know, he, he the old, he figure he know. He ain't that serious, man, calm down. Man, don't let your anger, man. You ain't, you, listen, you all riled up for nothing. He said, you know the people. <laughs> He's smart. He taking the blame off of himself. You know the people, just like I know them. Don't, bruh, don't be deceived. Hey, don't you be confused. Look, I know it looks like me, but you know the people. God told you they stiff neck. You know they difficult. And I can imagine he probably made up a story. You know what? They, they, they said they were going to kill me. And you was up in the mountain. I didn't know how long you was going to be up there. Hey, so, hey, I'm, I'm trying to live. Right? <laughs> He's talking about the, how they know that they're mischief, right? Give me, give me, give me. Oh, I got stuff all over here. Jesus Christ. Is it what they said unto me? Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not. I don't know what happened to him. So now he said to him, okay, you know, I, why I did it? Because they told me they didn't know what happened to you. I figured everybody's saying it, so it must be true. I, I don't, hey, I just, I just made it. Make us gods, right? He says, and I said unto them, whosoever have any gold, let them break it all. So they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire and there came out this calf. I just put it in the fire. This is how crazy this is. No, we don't realize this is how bad some of us lie. I just, I just, man, this is all I did. And it's, I don't know, what, what, what had happened was, you know, that new Kurt right there. That's my first time ever hearing. I never heard that in Florida until I came here. Well, what, what, had, what had happened was, and that's, that's the language of most of us. Well, what had happened was, what, what had happened then? I took the gold and put it in the fire, so the fire just produced the golden calf. And you forget that the scripture told us that you had a, 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 a tool. Well, you fashioned this. And now you're saying, I just put it in the fire. That's all I did. I'm guilty because I just put it in the... Yes, you're guilty. <laughs> y'all know the term guilty by association. I know some of y'all don't believe that. But it's the truth. Who you, who you spend your time with and around is a depiction of your character. No, y'all don't like it. Well, I don't like to be around church folk. You know how crazy that sound? They so they just want to be deep. They just deep all the time. We ain't, ain't nobody about to apologize because you don't want to be deep, right? Because you don't want God. We we about to why we gonna feel sorry because we want God and you don't want God? But you know how idiotic that sound. I don't want to hang around the church, folks. Your true character is being revealed based upon the people you hang around. That's why you got no faith. But you ain't no fool. Because when you need something, hey man, listen, can y'all can y'all pray? Man, I need somebody to pray. <laughs> you know folk do that. He said when Moses saw that the people were naked 
For Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among them. When Moses saw the people naked, naked denoted in the Hebrews that they were out of control. Out of control, loose. And for most of us, when you fail to connect to God, when you fail to be committed to God, guess what? You are naked, meaning you are out of control. Your commitment to God brings about a discipline in your life. And when you fail to commit to God, I, I'm suggesting to you that you are an undisciplined individual. Aaron made them naked unto their shame, to their enemies. Basically saying if their enemies saw them right now, they ain't just be like. This the folk that we was afraid of. These naked crazy folk, these the folk that we were running from. Naked folk. And that's, see. You get out my message, man. I'm going to say he's naked and afraid folk struggling with doubt and rebellion, but just out of control. Right. Go to the next verse. He says what? Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And that's the question that we pose to you today because remember we said this is replacement theology or replacement theos where people are trying to replace the study of the knowing of God or replace God himself with a false God. And so the question we pose to you today, here is Moses rising up apostolically and prophetically declaring, who is on the Lord's side? Draw a line in the sand. Let's make a demarcation. We need to know whose side you on. And the Bible declares that all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. We are on the side of the Lord. And see, that's the thing. We don't know which side you on. You come to church, but you're not committed. You pay a tithe, but you're uncommitted. You ain't got no praise. You ain't got no worship. You are uncommitted. We see because you are undisciplined in your life. We don't know whose side you on. You call his name when you need something. You pray to him when you need something. But when you get outside the church or from around the church, folks, you are not living as a believer. Whose side are you on? Oh, you got to understand. God wants to know whose side are you on. And when you think about that Levi, his name in the Hebrew means to be joined to. Who are you joined to? Who are you connected to? And when you understand the story with Jacob and Leah, when they had Levi, Levi was her hope of, well, now my husband is going to be joined unto me. Now my husband is going to be committed to me. Well, if you're uncommitted to God, he is never going to commit to you. You're deceiving yourself. If she is not committed to God, she will not be committed to you. She has that one thing. He has that one thing that they love about you. If you remove that one thing that they love about you, you'll see where the commitment is. Whose side are you on? And see, this is where it got interesting for me because the Levites, the Levites, who are the priests and the singers, these are the ones that carried the Ark of the Covenant when they went into battle. There would be so many feet, about 26 
hundred feet in front of the army, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Giving God praise for he is good. And this mercy endures, singing, giving God praise. I'm talking about God a high praise while marching into a battle. For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. They got a praise and because they carried the Ark of the Covenant with them into battle. Mind you, you know it's proof that God loves to fight because he said this battle does not belong to you, but this battle belongs to the Lord thy God. You know it's proof that God loves the fight because he talked about, I will go before you and fight for you. The Lord of hosts. These are the men that, 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 that would carry the present. And the theologians debate whether or not, how did they get their sacred duty? Was it because they killed those who were profane? It's debatable. But what I want you to see about this here, the Ark of the Covenant, we're familiar with it, made out of acacia or shittim wood, of every strong wood, wouldn't easily decay, wouldn't easily break down. The components or the contents of the Ark consisted of the two tablets of stone, the bowl of manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. And on top, it was overlaid. The box was covered in and outside with gold. And on top, there was a lid, which we know to be the mercy seat, covered by the two cherubims, the two angels. And this is where God said, I will come and sit and speak unto you, Moses. This is what God began to show me about the Levites. The Levites, you and I, represent the Levitical people. They are the carriers of the presence of God. They carried the ark. So you and I, we are carriers of the presence of God. So think about it. As being a Levitical person, I also want you to understand, because you know what? People have been searching for the Ark of the Covenant for years and years and years. I found it. You think I would lie to y'all? I'm not lying to y'all. I'm not trying to create no space in the lake of fire for me, because the Bible tells me all lies going to have a space there. I found the Ark, y'all. Y'all look like y'all don't believe me. I found the ark, y'all. When I look at Nate, when I look at you, when I look at Pastor Ivan, when I look at Amanda, that is the ark of the covenant. Psalms 119, around about verse number 9 or 11, it says, That word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against you. You're seeing the contents of the ark. The two tablet stones. The word of God has been hid on the inside of you. So that you might not sin. And when you see the bowl of the manna denoting God was using the manna to sustain them. The word that you hid in your heart is going to sustain you. Aaron's rod that bud and when you think about something that buzz the little flower pod that comes up it is revealing the nature of a type of flower that will soon be here when it fully blossoms so because of the word that you've hidden in your heart this same word is going to stop you from sinning this same word is going to sustain you but this same word is going to bring about revelation that's what Aaron's budding rod means revelation it's going to bring about life because this is life refreshing. Right. 
So what am I saying to you? You are the Levite, but you are also the Ark of the Covenant at the same time. Be careful how you carry yourself. They couldn't just carry the Ark of the Covenant any kind of way. Remember Uzziah when the oxen stumbled with it? He tried to do a good thing and reach out and touch, but he was not authorized to touch it, and he died on the spot. Baby, you are carrying the presence of God around on the inside. You are a walking Ark of the Covenant, and you better be careful how you carry the presence of God before you call somebody to die. People have touched you and they were unauthorized to touch you because you're the. And people have died. Some of you are dying because of how you're carrying the presence. You're not carrying the presence in a proper manner. But you have been chosen by God. God said the tribe of Levi was his inheritance of people that he's chosen unto himself. You won't have your own land. You'll live off the tide of the people. You'll teach and instruct. As you're scattered throughout the other tribes, you'll teach and instruct my word. You'll carry my presence when we go into battle. You'll help with the sacred things inside the temple. Look at you. You've been given an opportunity to carry his presence. You've been given an opportunity to handle the sacred things of God, sacred duties of God. And you talking noise. If you're not talking noise, you playing. Do you understand why God is saying, Moses, get out my face. I am about to let my anger wax hot against them. They're playing with what is holy. But the Bible says the Levites gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. If you're on the Lord's side, I don't care if it's your wife, your daughter, your son, if you're on God's side, go kill him. They have tried to replace me with a golden calf. Now, I can imagine one of the Levites having to kill his wife. I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. Can, 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 can you imagine a Levite raising his sword, getting ready to thrust his son? And he's looking in the eyes of his son and he's seeing himself saying, God, I see myself. In oh, what a difficult thing. But I must obey the word of the Lord. And you must understand there are going to be difficult, tough choices you got to make. But you must obey the word of God. You can't let anything sway you from obeying what thus saith the Lord. Go in every gate, meaning go in every tent. And everybody that was found in idol worship, you kill them. I don't care if it's your companion or your brother, your kill them. He says, give me the next verse. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. 
Can you imagine that? You just going in and out of tents, just in the name of the Lord. Oh, he's a holy God. There is no other God like our God. He's the true and living God. And beside him, there is no other God. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the first and he's the last. Oh, do you imagine them calling out the name of God while they're slaying at the same time? A life for a life. And when you understand about the children of Levi, Remember, when Levi's sister got raped, Simeon and Levi, they rose up in their anger to defend their sister. They got all the men to agree to circumcise themselves, and while they were laying on their backs in pain, they went and they slew them. And Jacob on his deathbed said, come, let me pronounce the blessing over you. And when he got to Simeon and Levi, he coupled them together. He said, because of your anger. He was speaking about the curse that they would live under. Because in the heat of your anger, you just went and slaughtered men. And in the heat of your anger, you just went and maimed and lame animals. You will pay for that. You will give an account for that. But do you see the great defender? The one that was now living under the curse is the one that God calls blessed. He said, for Moses had said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Meaning sanctify yourself. Separate yourself. And what you got to see, even what God was doing, he was separating the children of Israel from this pagan nation. Taking them from slavery, denoting word, working to worship. I say, I want to remind somebody, I know we're in the last quarter of the year. But the fact that God transitioned them from working slavery to worship, I wish somebody would give God praise. That was the holy reversal right there. You might have forgot what God said, but God said, I remember I said this is the year of the holy reversal and the fact that when I said who is on the Lord's side the Levites came and they joined themselves unto Moses and they adhered to the word of the Lord this was the overthrow overthrow the profane thing overthrow the impure thing overthrow the unrighteous thing overthrow the unholy thing isn't that what God told us in the beginning of this year? There was a holy reversal and overthrow. You might have forgot, but God didn't. He said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Even every man upon his son and upon his brother that he may bestow upon you a blessing. Those that were considered to be cursed are now looked upon as being blessed by God. Because they dared to obey There are going to be many things that have come to try to get you to replace your theology, your study of God, or your knowing of God. There are going to be many things that will come to get you to replace theos, God, 
or the subtopic that being killed you better kill the noise when it doesn't sound right you better kill it and kill it quickly when it doesn't line up with his word you better kill it and kill it quickly when it's contrary to the word of God you better kill it and kill it quickly even though you like it and you might not agree with it because God said it you better kill it and kill it quickly it doesn't have to make sense to you you don't have to understand it what you better understand is you better kill it and kill it quickly this is the word of the Lord for us today because you see it in modern times replacement theology or we're trying to replace concepts and principles in the Bible and make it be what we want it to be. We have not changed the definition of marriage to what we want it to be. We have not changed the definition of love to what we want it to be. The Bible let us know that in these last and evil days, in these perilous times, that men, they're going to do what seems right in their own eyes. While they're looking, you better have an ear to hear. You better be hearing. Because all throughout the Bible, God is saying, hear, hearken, heed. While they're looking to do what seems right to them, you better have an ear to hear what, what is God saying. And he's saying, who is on the Lord's side? You better choose and you better choose wisely. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word in Jesus' name.